0: Welcome to the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler, I am Conrad Guerra. Marler, we're recording this on Saturday night. We just watched Ohio State beat Wisconsin by the skin of their little chinny chin chin. Oh, before we talk about a lot of things that we have to get to. We've got Lane Kiffin stuff, we've got obviously SEC Championship takeaways, we're at the SEC Championship, we're going to talk playoff stuff, even though that's probably going to be
1: out by the time everybody's listening to this. I wrote a handwritten letter to anybody on Twitter and Facebook that I felt uh, I needed to have revenge against this week. Before we get to all of that. In cursive. Let's crack one. I got a scotch. Ooh. Yeah, I'm like a, like a lawyer or a politician over here. Fancy, are we? Uh, like Patty it. Sue, Pastor Patty Sue came in town and... Uh, this is how you know, like, you, like, you'll never grow up in front of your parents' eyes. She, <laughs> she's leaving on Thursday to come down for the live show on Friday. And, uh, and before she leaves, she goes, do you need any ham? And I was like, what? Like, don't start, because we didn't, I didn't tell you on purpose. I, honestly, I honestly brought you the ham. For her to leave? To tell I, didn't, me? I, you know, I didn't even think about you would have loved the ham. Yeah. Um, but she also said turkey, too, so it's not just weird. But uh, anyway, yeah, and then she brought, like, a, 12, a bottle of, like, 12-year scotch. Wow, yeah, that's so. that's coming prepared.
0: It was fun to get to meet Patty Sue. It was fun to get to meet a lot of you. Got to meet our Facebook moderators, who again, special shout out to them. Everybody who came to our live show on Friday night, it was so so was much awesome. fun. It was I, I and I, I felt like I kept thanking people over and over because it it was just one of those moments where you kind of pinch yourself and you say, "Is this what we're doing for?" It hurts. Yeah, pinching hurts. Pinching hurts. I definitely did stop and you know say, "Don't do that again, Connor." But it was one of those one of those moments where I think we both kind of stepped back and we're like, "Crap, man, this is pretty cool." It yeah. pretty cool.
1: It was awesome, man. It was a uh, it was like a whirlwind of a day because we had so much stuff going on. It was, was a be, lot of moving pieces going on. Yeah. Like, so you had radio. This is like the most professional I feel like I've ever gonna sound on this podcast. Like. Connor had radio up in at SunTrust where the Brave Stadium is. I had radio at my old job that I from 2013. Ironically enough, and then we met at like at where I was like recording, and then we went to the Hall of Fame to meet up with like our boss and do like a walk through the event, driving them back and forth like all over. And I was like stressed as can be because I'm trying. Like I had printed off all these these, <laughs> these like outlines of what we should go over and like written down all these things, and I was, like told Connor before and I was like I've got. Uh, no cards. I got sharpies. Like, what do you need? And he's like, I'm good. We're good. We're good, we're good here. We're good. Um, but it was awesome, man. Like, it was, I, it was one of those things I think we put a lot of hard work into, and, and it was really cool to see it, you know, kind of unfold and play off. And big thank you to our guests, man. That was awesome. They were great. Peter Tom Barnes, Barnes. Peter Burns,
0: Jacob Hester. Uh,
1: it's like every time we have them on the podcast, and I hate to sound like a, like a fangirl about it because, like, they are our peers now, and, and we've become, like, friends with them. And it really is, it's been like, I know a lot of times if you listen to a podcast, it, sometimes you boost up these, like, personalities or guests, like... We don't need oh, to boost them up. Yeah, yeah. Almost, it's, like, almost like an ad. I think people think, like, maybe they're just kind of embellishing how much they, you know, what they really think about them. I, I just think they're, they're so funny. And they, like, Tom Hart is one of the funniest people I think I've ever met, like, ever Easily. met. And PB is just, he's so always on his game and, and like... Jacob Esther is like the most engaging person. Yes, like it was it was
0: awesome. It was a lot of fun. It and, was great to be able to to have them to you know working and trying to set up guests, A little peel behind the onion. Not the easiest thing in the world to be able to do, but glad that we were able yeah. to, to get that done. And you know, a lot of busy schedules that we were working well, around. And but, shout out to
1: Robert too for, for yes. the whole Fame. Robert Brady, like for setting all that kind of stuff up. Because like I, I I finally felt okay when we got there because I realized that. And this usually happens. Yep. But everyone around me was calm. And I was like, okay, maybe this is going to be fine. And he, like, they had the bar set up, and um, he helped with one gentleman who got the tailgating kicked off early. Let's just <laughs> say, for everybody who's there
0: at the live show, and I don't know if, if anybody has listened to the live show episode and you heard the LSU fan, that was... No. He let's just say he had himself a good time. Um, he was maybe a little bit too deep, though.
1: Okay, I, I will say this. I this is it. I'm not saying this to call him out at all if he's listening at all because thank you again for coming. Yes, thank you. But it, this is going to sound bad. I was I was my first takeaway when I heard this was that's impressive. Was we the bar opened at, the doors opened at seven. Yep. The show started like at seven thirty seven thirty five. Mm-hmm. By the time it was and he didn't leave. He didn't leave his seat for the entire first half of the show until we did like intermission. He had six beers. Like he had like sitting that there. Seat, which like I don't even know how you do that in that amount of time. I was it was impressive. It was like Andre the
0: Giant stuff. was like bowling pins sitting there. Yeah. For My real. goodness. But not to give um, you know, him too much shine. Everybody who, who came out, I mean, getting to just to meet people and we, you know, afterwards we got to go out and Went to the Omni Hotel and had drinks with people after and got to to talk with people, people that we interact with on the Facebook group, people that interact with us on Twitter, whatever it is, and just getting to actually put names to faces and all that. It was it was awesome. And then, you know, we of course ended up staying out until what three thirty in the morning,
1: didn't have dinner until three in the morning as well. uh, That that like that (laughs) I don't even want to say it, I don't even want to say to defend that because Nick Halby, Sean Larkin, you you are all to blame. We're, we're, and also, real quick, I do want to say, like, a few people, and I, we can't, I won't be able to remember everybody, but, like, big shout out to, like, my buddy Grant Tall came in, and, and he, I wish he would have stayed for the Ochre store, Nick Newby, we brought this up, like, a bunch of friends from college I hadn't seen in years who listened to the pod, which is cool, um, and Amory Picker and uh, Wes Medeiros came in as well, yep. it was, it was just a lot of, it was a lot of fun, it was, it was funny, because, like, Wes said something, this is, like, like, I don't know, we, we just, I really love, like, how, much of a relationship I feel like we've been able to build like almost like a community with you guys over the season. And it's been just really like a, like I don't want to sound like I sound like a grandma. It's been really a joy. it's <laughs> it has been this. a joy. But he said something he was like uh West was talking about his wife and he was like, yeah. Um she always gives me a hard time because she says you're my man crush and I was like like can I take it aback? And I was like, Yeah, because this haircut is like fresh AF right now. There we go. Yeah, and, uh, and she said, because anytime they get in the car, we're always on and it was it was just a, it was really cool to 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 hear you know just that we've like been able to share the season with you guys so it was it was great it's something that i think we want to do on an annual basis we
0: are we are going to yeah. make that a goal and the hall of fame was so great to us and this setup was was fantastic, you know, it, yeah. given the, the the area that we were, and you know, Friday night before the SEC championship. I want to do it every year. I would love to do it at the Hall of Fame if they'll have us awesome. every year. It just it couldn't have worked out much better, and I'm just grateful that we we're able to c- to
1: kind of get everything going. So, again well, and hearing you you those guys up. tell stories like specifically for this game that you didn't you'd never heard before, yeah. and Just and just stuff like Tom Hart tells us uh, some of his like. You know, moments he got himself in trouble on yep. air, and it was it was a, just a giant peel behind the onion. And um, it, well, one thing we will not be doing next year is staying out till three thirty in the morning. Yes, I um, don't. Um, that escalated so quickly. I had been up
0: since four thirty, so I stayed up for twenty three hours. And let's just say I'm you know I'm I'm fighting through it right now for the good of the podcast. It's midnight right now, and you know going into Sunday morning. I'm doing this for y'all. I am so tired right now, but I don't care because I've been running on adrenaline this entire weekend, and that's all that matters to me. So, I think that, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the live podcast yet, we, we talk about some stuff as it relates to the SEC championship. Of course, we're going to preview some stuff. So, there's some stuff that obviously, you know, you could listen back to and be like, oh, well, you know, this didn't happen. But I encourage you don't listen to it, you know, don't not listen to it because of the timeliness of it. We had so much fun getting to talk to those guys and getting to answer questions from from y'all. So seriously, go back and listen to it if you have not yet.
1: I was worried that we weren't to, like, we were going to do too long of a time for like, not fourth and wrong, but you know, just like the Q and A with just us after the panelists left. And I I wish we could have kept going. Yeah, it was. I mean, it would have been a slippery slope with some of those questions that would have been asked. But it was. uh,
0: it was fun. Shout out to our producer Will, by the way, for being able to get that that live podcast up uh, on Saturday morning. He said up until two thirty on Friday night after the podcast, be able to yeah, to get that up. For so real. how about I was the only one that cussed? Yeah. Oh well. uh Tom, Tom and PB did. Yeah. As well. I so I mean, you know, open the door a little bit. I like that. Yeah. We uh, <laughs> we went there. I don't. Has that been bleeped out? I think it was bleeped out. I don't know. I, yeah. SEC Championship Saturday was different for us. Saturday was a different kind of day. Once you get the live show out of the way, we were able to enjoy Saturday. Yeah. It was fun. You weren't doing a bunch of Bud Light stuff like you were last yeah. year. You did like four or five hours of Bud Light stuff before last year's game. I yeah. remember. Yes, I did. It was, that was like, a lot of work. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. I had to carry a backpack, pass around Bud Lights all day. Oh man, and then yeah, like this this year was it was it was weird because I kept walking around this morning. And I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And like it, like trying to get stuff for social setup, trying to figure out like the plan to go down there and. And, you know, see who, who could see if maybe to meet up with a couple of guys from SC Network or meet up with some of the audience. It it was fun, especially with it being like the last day of like the regular season, kind of like to, to just kind of really enjoy it and to yeah. kind of take it all in. And, and, you know, like my team wasn't in it and it was, it was fun to just go as like a fan. It was stress-free. Yeah, it was stress-free. Yeah. I, I mean, I found a way to make it stressful, I'm sure, but yeah. it was great.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, once again, we got to to hang out with our guy Candler and and, and all these places. MVP buddies. Candler. Gosh, I mean, we got to. we were at a suite for the SEC championship. There was games, lobster. So there was freaking lobster, right? That was the first thing I saw when we walked in. And crab cakes. Yeah, but crab there cakes was good.
1: lobster. Yeah, and then and then at one point, I think like. It just kept getting better and better because, like, Andrew Jones was in there yeah. from the Braves. So we walk in, and I am sitting here thinking, like, you guys know how dramatic I get and, like, sentimental for big stuff like this. And we're, like, get, we walk in. I'm, like, man, this is just what an incredible end of the season. I know. I'm so happy. And, like, you walk into a suite, and then you see Andrew Jones from the Atlanta Braves, which was, just, like, just casually brought up. Yeah. Camden Cam like, like, oh, like, and
0: Andrew Jones has a connection to, to my boss or something like that. And, and there was some backstory, but the entire time I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing here? What? Yeah. what why am i
1: here <laughs> so so it's like him he was there and then like i got up to get a beer at one point and tom hart was there <laughs> i was yep. like wait yep. what is going on and like it was, it was a blast man it was, it was and it was cool too i ran into like a bunch of people i went to college with and johnny ricks and, and i recognize man oh so hold on we gotta tell this story for first oh I guess, the guy in line yeah. getting we'll, yeah, and yeah. we'll get to the actual breakdown of the game guys but we, just, we promise we'll get this there this will be fun um, I tweeted about this and, and, but I want to like take you through it vividly because we're walking in line, right? We're walking into the stadium and, and I'm on my phone cause I'm trying to get everything set up right before kickoff of what we need to do. Like, do we need to post on like stuff for social and just try to like organize as much as I can before we get in and all those bright lights and shiny objects, you know, make my ADD go in overdrive. So there's this dude, this, this young kid. Probably like twenty two, I would say. He's wearing this, this old tattered ratty LSU jersey. But, but it's like when the first Nike jerseys came out. Like when used to get an East Bay, like in like ninety seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was like one of those. It was like this dingy gold, and then like the purple, like the the letters and numbers were poor, like were, like uh, tearing off like the shirt. And he, I think he'd been drinking. I think it's fair to oh, say. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and he kept like kind of like bumping into me, and I, and he was. He was just I think, loud. He was feeling himself, man. He was excited. He was excited he was. for the game. He came in town for the game. and He was pumped up, and but he was like kind of like bumping into me, and I was like just getting. I just felt like the like I was a little bit annoyed at first, a little bit, and then he went into a Coach O impression, and, and it was I looked loud at as blank, and I was like so frustrated for a second because it was so loud, and I was trying to like focus on something, and then it hit me like thirty seconds in. I was like, oh my god, this is the like spot on Coach O. The first time I heard it, I actually turned to you and I said
0: pretty good it was <laughs> so good
1: and he just didn't stop doing it, it didn't, didn't break character it was like it was it was incredible and so then he like somehow turned around and the last thing I want to do was have a conversation with this person but he gave you a look he gave me this look and then and like I was like how are you doing man I, I went to shake his hand and he had this like very strong handshake and then he just stared at me and it was like I'm, he's gonna punch me in the face <laughs> or something And I was like how are you are you all right?" he's like silence and I was like are you good and then I realized I was just being an a-hole the whole time because he was great. He was like, I know you guys from the podcast. I listened. He's like, you're the one from up north. Yeah. Quincy Cotter. And then we go in, just super nice guy, like awesome kid. And uh, and he was we just cracking up at the Coach own impression. You get through security. This dude pulls out. He goes, I'm strapped. And he pulls up his jersey. And I, I was like, this dude has a gun. Yep. He has a bottle, a, a water bottle full of Maker's Mark that he snuck in. And as I'm cracking up, like, how did he get this in? Like, look at you, man! High five! Like, what a legend! Like, let's do a shot. As he's saying this, one of his friends comes sprinting up, like past us, goes in the stadium. He's like, he got in. Dude didn't have a ticket. He didn't just ticket. showed up, walked right in. And they're like, he has he's paid for a game all year. Like, what? And that's he needed to get him yeah, on the. Pod. And he's a big guy too. It was I don't know awesome. How it was they were they were like just. Already, you knew it was going to be a long day for for Georgia when when he came with that kind of yeah. fire and intensity. But he was great. I think his name was I think his name is Evan. We had a blast, man. We ended up taking that shot of his his uh, underpants maker's
0: mark. But. Conspiracy theory here. He knew exactly who you were who you were from the jump and wanted to make sure that you heard his coach invitation to bring it up on this here podcast I, well, he deserved it because it was incredible it was and he and he
1: did he did tell me he was like he didn't put any punches I was like it's way better than mine. he's like yeah. yeah, you're just terrible yeah he's yeah.
0: like <laughs> that's fair um so yeah the the game itself you know it, it actually wasn't from an entertainment standpoint, it really was not a game that we're gonna talk about for you know, years and years down the road unless, you know, because this wasn't necessarily the the coronation of LSU, so to speak. LSU dominated in a way that I don't think either of us saw coming. I didn't see that coming. Not to that level. to Not to 37-10. We knew, obviously, this LSU offense was really, really good. But I kept coming back to the belief that Georgia's defense is super, super disciplined. And they don't allow for, you know, these yards after catching all these different things. And then you look up at the box score at the end of the game, and you're like, holy crap. Joe Burrow had over 400 yards from scrimmage. That includes the 16-yard catch. You know it was going to be a good day for LSU when he catches a pass that bounces back to him Dude. and he runs for 16 yards with it.
1: I I kept saying beforehand, or I was trying to say when I was bringing up the the third down stats when he runs right, and that's and you you brought up was like you think they'll they'll spy him because it's. He's so elusive for whatever reason, and I and I brought this up before. It's, he seems like he's under pressure, and he's not. And and you can you can sense the frustration from Georgia fans, especially because it's like, <clears throat> first off, when they went down 7-0, the air in that building just even before that when um there was the there was the
0: drop pass on that deep ball on that deep ball right right from oh, the jump the first play of the game first play of the game first play of the game dropping that pass in that spot Georgia fans are like well it's good that they're at least taking shots downfield but crap this 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 could be, be a long rush. night yeah
1: and but and so and, and i hated that for him because it was like it, it, and you're the number 14 in the country you're a great team and you had a great season and you know like in the resumes there and you've beaten florida you've beaten yep. auburn and you beat beaten away from home and all that kind of stuff and it was this real sense of like if we don't if we don't get that like, they were nervous for the the coin toss yeah oh yeah which is an odd thing to say but it's like it, there was an overwhelming feeling that if we don't get the ball and score first, or if we somehow start 7-0, this game is over. And they, that no, it was 70-30 Georgia fans, and it was so quiet after the first drive. It got a little bit back up for the second drive, and then after that, 14-0, it was like... It was odd. It was just a weird, weird feeling. Because... The game was so close, but it didn't seem like they were ever going to come back. A few things just kind of showed you it just wasn't going to be Georgia's
0: day. And it wasn't necessarily that these things were the reason that Georgia lost, but there were just things that happened that just made you believe, all right, the stars were not aligned. Yeah. We had DeAndre Swift not looking 100% in this game. His work was very, very limited. Yeah. Obviously, the the injury to, to Dominic Blaylock early that on that was brutal. We already knew that that Jake Fromm was dealing with the loss of Florence Cager. George Pickens was out in the first half. In terms of weapons available, the list got even shorter. Yeah, and and then there were just you know things like Rodrigo going one of three. Rodrigo going one of three. The Heisman those was a fifty-two or fifty-three yard field goal. True, but he had plenty of leg on it. Missed, yeah. just missed it wide. Like it, if Rodrigo's not even making
1: kicks, and I, I tell you. If you're trying to end a drive, you obviously want to end it in six, especially the first drive of the game. But if you're Georgia and you come out and you miss that first first pass, and they miss another one too, I think in the, in the drive, that like they, maybe it's like down the sideline, he was out of bounds. Um, if there's somebody you you feel most confident in to like end this drive successfully, all right, like, there we go. That's a great. Going to get points. Yeah, it'd be Rodrigo, yeah. and it, it was it was surprising for sure, man. It was it was surprising, but I I will say I felt like the defense played well.
0: Like it the, felt like George's defense was keeping them in the game early on, and it was it was at some point the Georgia defense looks over the offense like you gotta give us yeah something. man just give us Anything. something.
1: I, uh, I I don't I, it was it's it's really it's tough to watch because we talk about it every week and and there's still a part of you for whatever reason like the definition of insanity you just think that like there's so much talent there's so much talent there like we like they, we talk about like, well they had to replace these five receivers and they did. But you have two five-star freshmen, two five-star freshmen receivers. You have five-star running back that's backed up by another five-star running back, and it's and it, the best offensive line in the country. And it was it was weird to see LSU's defense be that like suffocating and like you know and, and hold them to two point four yards per carry. It's pretty darn good. Oh,
0: this this LSU defense, I think that. It wasn't just like – and I've had people that – because I wrote about the OSU defense, shameless plug – there were people that said, Oh, it was just a media narrative. Um, no, it wasn't just a media narrative. No. When you get when you allow that many rushing yards to Ole Miss, yep. you have these moments where, you know, you allowed all those
1: points to Vandy. who Vandy was just terrible. Shine, as Sean Larkin told us and it was the entire right. second half. It's like-, <laughs> like it was it was
0: okay to, to say and, and to see how, how poorly Grant Delpit had played, a guy who came into the year as the best defensive player in college football, how poorly he played in that Ole miss game. It was fair to say Okay, this is a re- this is a historically good offense, but this defense has some issues. Every LSU fan knew that. What they've done these last couple weeks, seeing what they did against A&M, seeing what they did today against Georgia. I am darn impressed and it seems yeah, like this this team is getting to unfair levels because Maybe part of it is is Grant Talbot just getting healthy. I don't know if that's just the thing that makes everything go for that team. He had a sack today. He had an interception last week. He's been really good. Derek Stingley is ridiculous. I mean, he's not even fair at this point. Like Him guarding another freshman, it's the same age, but you just look and at that matchup. And they're both five stars. And they're both five stars, but Derek Stingley just has ball skills that Georgia's receivers don't right. at, th- at this point. And you look at kind of all the different pieces and... You're just wondering where that weakness is because Caleb Onchase looked really good today. You had, I mean, you had Patrick Queen was getting in the backfield as well. You had Rashard Lawrence blowing up running plays like this LSU defense that we thought was going to be really good was still going to be kind of the backbone of their team. Right? They're looking like that now, and if you're well, game planning to face this team, you're. I mean, you're looks, thinking they're much more complete than than what they were a few weeks ago. And is we'll get fair? to
1: that word here in a second. they Complete because that is that's. A very important word from from Rob Mullins but no it's it's it, like I, I always joke around about you getting like you know cop in the moment or being a prisoner in the moment and I don't want to do that with this because you know I said last week going to, like the A&M thing A&M like the way they played on defense like the way LSU played on defense against them it, like that's I don't I'm not that doesn't change everything else I've seen this season right um, it doesn't change the 40 yards rushing it doesn't change and because like when people try to justify that the LSU fans it was not, no offense guys but like if if you want to know what it, like there's not a lot of self-awareness in that one, like you know what I mean? It's a yeah, ball- LG fans, go back. The in time. second time, the second time wasn't like, or there was the second half where there was like garbage time. This was in the first half, and so and so was hurt, and this person was out for this series. They're and being like- compared to
0: Ohio State. It's it's, yeah. it's all relative. Like, right. yeah, you won that game by 30 points. Yes, you beat right. Alabama. Nobody's taking that away from you. Right, exactly. We're just comparing it to Ohio State, a right. team that was number one in the country in scoring defense, number one in the country in scoring offense at the time. Yeah, that was the comparison
1: that they were and making. And none of it mattered anyway because the offense is so good. But what what was impressive today, but like being able to hold that team. Because I didn't think Georgia was going to be able to, especially when Blaylock went down, I didn't think they were going to be able to throw the ball downfield, right? No, I it was this, everybody, everybody knew it was over. Yeah. Well, and, and I thought I thought the whole game plan was going to be, like, run the football, maybe get some, like, play action pass early, like, you know, kind of keep on their heels and, like, loosen them up. But run the football against this defense that we know has been susceptible to the run in, in some games. Yep. And that's your strength of yours. And then keep that offense off the field. And it just, it, none of it worked.
0: LSU's receivers just flat out make plays in Georgia's, You know they—they—they they, they didn't. They—they they just didn't. And it was—it was one of those days where you just got reminded LSU just has such a significant advantage. And I know the system is different as well. And Joe Brady's system compared to James Coley's night and day. We've talked about that. In <laughs> but seeing this these these group of receivers side by side, and you know there are a lot of people who are going to sit here and make excuses for Georgia's receivers and say ah they're young. You know this this and this. Go back to that 2012 SEC Championship and watch a certain fellow named Amari Cooper. I'm not saying it. He is. A true freshman in that game against Georgia. Georgia fans, y'all remember that. You remember that. You remember seeing Amari Cooper dominate that game as the number one guy. The only guy that A.J. McCarron actually had confidence in targeting. And he could get open. And he Mm -hmm. could do things on the football field that made you say, wow, this guy is going to be special for a very long time. Georgia's receivers, yeah. George Pickens has a nice toe touching, toe tapping grab going out of bounds. Where were the moments from those Georgia receivers that Late, they just made you think, all right, you know what? They're just going to go out and make a play. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, like the, the catch that Justin Jefferson had, everybody's going to point to the Joe Burrow scramble and keep keeping his eyes downfield making that throw. Justin Jefferson is doing everything he can to get open in that yeah, play. He was we open saw twice. Back <laughs> he was open twice, and so they do things <laughs> Real like quick, that.
1: Hold on. The was funny because. You ever seen Twister? You ever seen the movie Twister? Great movie. Okay, so yeah, when they, well, they... Yeah, when they had the uh, the cows, and he's like, there's a cow. Oh, yeah. Another cow. So, Connor's watching this, and he's like, he's got him, he's open. And then he just keeps streaking. And, and I Burrow him had it, we just saw it, it was 8.8 seconds yep. to throw. And then, like, two or three seconds later, Connor goes, he's open again! And like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it was... It was a testament to that team that was kind of stifled a little bit in the first half. And, and you know, they, they made them punt, which you don't see a lot. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they the Georgia defense, I've to say this earlier. I don't think I even finished the thought, of course. But, like, it, it was, I got this, I felt bad for, for Georgia fans for this one specific thing today of, like, the sense of frustration when you're on defense. Because I, I told you, watching that game against, against LSU for Bama, it was the most overwhelmed and like helpless feeling I'd had watching football game in a long time I was just like oh my god like you can't stop you can't stop them like Still there's just stopping. athletes everywhere and all this kind of stuff and they keep coming at you I got the feeling in Georgia because I thought they had a good game plan early and I and yep. I knew that Kirby was going to be better than Pete Golding and what he was doing like well you know where he had he was just kind of keeping them in front you yep. know and like the first time he did it and they and they I don't think they spied him but he like they didn't send a blitz and Burrow kind of you know tried to scramble yep. him and got I think he ended up getting, like a one yard loss or something. The second or third play after that, he wasn't confused anymore. Like He yeah. picked it up. He knew what was going on. And then he's able to start extending these plays on third down. And that's what was the big back record. I kept saying beforehand, the thing that is like so defeating for a team is not being able to get up the field on third down, and they couldn't do it today. And he made play after play like that. Clyde edwards is, in my
0: opinion, I've been saying he's first-team All-SEC running back. Was held the under sixty yards rushing in this game. Didn't even matter. Had well over a hundred yards from scrimmage in this game. You could have had hundred yards if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's on a slight to Georgia's defense. I'm yeah. just saying, like how. But that's how that's the how versatile this this LSU team is. And I think watching this for Georgia fans, it was just that much more frustrating knowing. All right, we look and we see LSU and we see ourselves and we feel like we're stuck in a different era. We're not. We're not at the level that we need to be. Well, and now and now you look at it too. If you're a Georgia
1: fan, and it's like you're bringing in not just comparable talent, you're not just because I remember I, hear, I heard it in the Rick all the time. I remember going to the 2015 Bam Georgia game, and somebody was like, Tomorrow's the day the world learns the name Trent Thompson. And like, everyone has like five stars that don't pan out, but like, Georgia's always had good recruits and five stars on this kind of stuff. And I Kirby's starting to bring more and more in, like, or more and more of them in. But it's you're past the point where it's like, well, we're close on the talent, or we're close on this, and like. Close in the offense, close in the defense, to where you've passed it, like like some of these elite teams that you've like you know tried to measure yourself against, and you're bringing in more talent than anybody else in the country, more five stars than anybody, and you're getting the same results. And what's when you really take a step back and look at the season, like you look at Bama, they lost to two teams in the top eleven, and by eight points, and it's kind of it's kind of easy to like, you know sleep at night on that. It's harder, and I'm not saying this as a slight Georgia fans, right? This is just saying. It's it's just more confusing like, and perplexing yep. as to how we're here again when you have a loss to the number one team in the country like this where you get boat raced by 27 points and then you also have the loss to South Carolina because it's like these those two things don't add up.
0: This is a defining moment for Kirby Smart and how he handles this James Coley situation we're both in agreement. We think James Coley should be gone. We think that they need to figure out a new way to revitalize this offense. We don't know what the future holds for, for Jake Fromm. DeAndre Swift has said, I'm not thinking about the NFL just yet. Jake Fromm's decision is going to be a really interesting one to follow. We don't know officially what's going to happen. I would expect Andrew Thomas to be going He's pro. Gone, yeah. He's a stud. But there are so many questions for this Georgia offense that are left to be answered and seeing a game like that, and seeing just how far behind James Coley is compared to to Joe Brady, yeah, and seeing that on display was just if that doesn't drive it home for Kirby,
1: I don't know what will. James Coley and and Joe Brady, you keep saying it like like in comparison, putting it in the same it's, sentence. It's it like that Chippendale's Saturday Night Live commercial or skit where it's like Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley is like Barney. uh you know, this is a really tough decision, but it's just—he's just so, so, so That's much better looking moments. than you. Like it's, it, it it's listen, and, and again, Joe Brady, I think is like a—I know it's only been one year, and we have a small sample size on it. I think this is like a—I don't want to say generational type of mind or talent for this, but I think it honestly—it's it's something I've never seen this before. I've never seen—I've never seen like. I know. I put it on Twitter today. I, I said, like, I've never seen an SEC offense like this. And I remember Manziel like going on that crazy stretch at the end of the year. He's put up 500 yards a game. And and I remember, you know, this, the Spurrier years, but it wasn't like this. Like, it, like the Spurrier years. To be fair, they came at a time where like nobody in the SEC was passing 50 times a game. Exactly. They were. They were. They were just ahead of the curve on that. And people didn't know how to defend it. This is like. I, I just. It, the Lair thing, late in the fourth quarter, they were up and the game was over and it was like, I, I said to you, I go, what do you do here? Do you, do you run the offense? Because your offense is throwing the ball to five wide, and, yep. but you're already up 20-something points and you don't want to like, you know, like run up the score and they ran Clyde Ever Lair like right at <laughs> like the defense and it was, I don't want to tackle that in the fourth quarter. No, I don't either. I think that the Georgia right now is just
0: at a very interesting crossroads with its program, and like I said before, don't give me the Rick Kirby comparisons. Don't give me that. I think they're wired differently. I think that we we talked about the number—the of the 38 straight games as a top 10 team compared to L- Rick's longest streak that he ever had, be there. 18. That's still going to be there. Um, Kirby's still going to have a lot of talent coming back. I'm already looking forward to the Georgia didn't care about this New Year's Six Bowl. Um, that narrative is going to be out in full force, but. We're going to have a lot of other time to talk about Georgia. Well, Let's real quick, about- I
1: do want to say one more thing about Georgia. I'm going to get this off my chest. Okay. I'm going to build you up. Oh, boy. I'm going to bring you down. When, when did you build them up? I'm about to right now. I just, okay. I, 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 what are you talking about? I was I, was I, I, I thought I missed something. I thought I missed something. Go ahead. So, I've been complimenting Georgia all damn day. This is true. We've been surrounded by Georgia fans. You absolutely have. No doubt. So, here's the, here's what I'll tell. I looked at Brian Hoyt, who is a age-old enemy of mine. From high school, we just we never, we had like a Twitter feud. Like even though we didn't really, we don't like really dislike each other. It was just like we kind of you know clap back and forth with each other online. Once in a while, he came in, and, I, and I've met him now, and we're, we're buddies. We're fine, but he came into the suite today because he knew he knew Ashley, and, and, and came in, and I looked at him, I was like, I knew he was pissed, and I, I didn't want him to like think this was like Twitter where I was gonna be like, it eh, sucks. Sucks to suck, bro. Because I've been there. This sucks, man. I get it. Like, There's nothing worse than looking up and your team is down by 27 and there are there's like 18 minutes left. You're like, what the It hell? literally sucks to suck. Yes. Yeah, it's awful. So and I looked at it and I asked it. And I said, how many, how many people do you all lose off this team? I know you lose like J.R. Reed in the secondary. You're going to lose a couple guys. like Finally. I Three on defense, maybe? You're going to lose Rodrigo. You're going to lose Tyler Thomas. Tyler Clark. You're going to lose, yeah. On defense, yeah. So you're going to lose, I think... Like, seven players? And it'll count if he goes pro. There's there's some other ones in there as well, yeah. And the, yeah, it could fluctuate with the juniors and the if I get it. But like... This team has a lot of talent coming back, and a, and that defense is is only going to be even more dominant, which is scary because of. And I, I, I know that sounds dumb from what we saw today. Right. I feel I feel built up about but, what Georgia. Real, right. I, I and I've said this, and just the way it sets up, Jake Fromm is going to be a senior, and some of the talent leaving. So so that's your way of saying. I think Georgia won the national championship next year. I think it's their best chance to win the national championship. They play Bama. They'll beat Bama. Wait a minute. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it all there out was, here. There was a lot to dissect. And what I just you no, I mean, like it's. I've said this earlier. like as soon as I saw the schedule come out last year, and like I was like, you know, two is going to be gone. All this all this talent's going to be gone from Bama." And then I'm sure Jake Fromm will be back, and they're going to play like Jordan will probably week break two. that streak. Yeah, like, week two, yeah, they'll probably break that streak. And and I just just looking at where those the amount of people they're losing versus other teams, and, and I said this before the season started with with Kirby. It was like you these all these fans talk about how like they're they're passing Bama like what's his name I hate hate hearing this dude's takes, Mike, whatever his name is, Griffith, who's like these ship's passing in the night or whatever it is about, like Georgia passing Bama, and you haven't got there yet, and you keep talking about it, and you're going to have to start doing these things that the stuff that you're criticizing of saving, of like the, the coaches leaving and losing those players and not be able to replace them in transfers, you got to start doing that now because you're going to be on that, that same level, yep. and you didn't handle it as well this year maybe. Next year, I, I think things set up really nicely for Georgia. I, I really do, and it's way chilly for that. The thing I'll say to bring him down, I don't understand why you would spend so much time talking trash to Bama fans after that loss about Auburn, knowing what was in front of you against LSU. No- knowing that you weren't like, you weren't overly confident like we're going to beat LSU. It's but just- but it's, it's almost
0: like it's, if something isn't Bama why is there a reason to not be ca- and, and I want to say that Georgia fans were, were overconfident. I think the, yeah. the the vibe that we got from them was cautiously optimistic, yes. which to me says a lot about kind of where they're at and their expectations of this game. I did not get the sense at all that Georgia was thinking, we're going to stymie LSU and it's going to be Joe Burrow who? Like, no, that's, that wasn't going to happen. But you bring up a good point about that, about you know this belief of, hey, you know now that
1: Bama's not in the way, you know, why not? Right. Well, it, But it also, to me, what, what it kind of read it as is like, Bama's not in the way, so that's already a win. Right, no matter yeah, what yeah. happens here. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, like but like a win, like personally for, for them. And it was, and I get it, like his, you know, that's a rivalry and, and, and fans are fans and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, like, I, I'll just be honest. I had a <laughs> I I had a chuckle that there were missed field goals today. But I, I want, I want, I want Georgia fans to say like to, Seriously, hear this because I, I know they're going to be down and probably a lot of them are going to be hungover listening to this because they probably did some drinking this weekend. There we being go. Being very upset. Man, yeah, keep your head up. Like, you guys are you guys are an elite program. You you ran into a buzzsaw that I, I have not seen in the SEC in I don't know how long. Wow. I, I really don't. Like, you just, you know, we're not going to talk about the South Carolina game, but like, a great team. Your program's having the right discussion. The, the sky is not falling. Get your officer coordinator out.
0: This feels like it, LSU is a buzzsaw that right now. I don't know how you slow them down. I don't know how you game plan to stop them. We've thrown it out there. We've dissected it at at nauseum uh, every turn of how to try and slow down Joe Burrow. When when is this? Oh, remember is when this... I said their defense is trash. Oh, <laughs> right now we're trying to. We don't know because we're recording this late late Saturday night into Sunday morning. We don't know as of right now what that one seed looks like. We don't know if it's Ohio State. We don't know if it's LSU. <laughs> We know what the field—we feel very confident who the four teams are. Yeah. That remains the biggest question. Ohio State won that game against Wisconsin. Storm back late. Justin Fields wins Big Ten championship MVP. Not trying to pour salt in the wound to Georgia fans. I'm really not. We should talk about that, though. Um, We should. Real quick, can I just say this on, on Justin Fields? I was asked this question several times this weekend. And it's not a bad question, but it's one that I think needs context. A lot of people saying, How could they how in the world could they just get rid of Justin Fields? Just let him walk. Just let him walk. It's not that easy. It's just not that easy. You can't just look at what he's doing at Ohio State and you just say, Oh, he'd automatically be doing that at Georgia. There wasn't different circumstances at play with Jake Fromm and what he did on the field. Like let's let's Continue to remember what Jake Fromm did for this program down the stretch, what he did for them as a true freshman, and helping them get to a national championship. And don't tell me that it was all Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle because Jake Fromm was absolutely needed in that Rose Bowl right. as well to come back and win that game. And I just don't want us to fall into this pattern of saying, "Wow, George made the wrong decision." It
1: wasn't as easy as that. It's low-hanging fruit for to, to make jokes about it, like on social media, but it is. It is such it's a... It's the laziest take there is the right now. It's the laziest take. It lacks any kind of depth to it. And Justin it's, Fields wouldn't be doing and, this and in by Georgia. the way, no, he would not in this offense. He, like, There's no way. I, I said this today to somebody. They did not laugh. Um, but I said, I said this today to somebody. If you think Justin Fields should have stayed, honestly, I, I'm sick of hearing about him being like, he should have been a quarterback. He should have been a receiver. He should have kept him and played, played him at receiver. So you made the point about um, the
0: SNL skit with Patrick Swayze yeah. and Chris Farley doing the Chippendales thing. If... You're Justin Fields. You're essentially sitting there at the at the judges table, and you're looking at Chris Farley. Friends, is friends. James Coley and Ryan Day's just offense is, in such, is Patrick such Swayze. better
1: shape than you? It just like it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, um, it is, it really is. I, I like we said earlier in the season. that Barrett Sully made a really good point. Is like you know, it's the best move for Georgia. It's the best move for for uh, Ohio State. And it, it really they've fallen into. It's one of those things where. Every way you look at it, there's an easy, like, lazy—lazy lazy is the best way to put it. Yeah. Take on on who's to blame and and what could have been. Well, we should have kept. No, you can also Shady. you can also think that Georgia did not use him in the proper way, and also sure. think that. How do you think you're going to keep him on there though for another yeah. year? You know what I mean? Like it, the, the, that that situation wasn't going to get any easier, and he got to go to an offense that actually knows how to use him. You know what I mean? And like I, I, honestly. What would have been more frustrating if you had Justin Fields and then Jake Fromm left, right? Or, like, or he was on the bench because you finally brought in Justin Fields, who's this, like, all-generational, just all-world talent... And you had him in James Coley's offense, yeah. with a with an offense that runs 64% of the ball pl- sixty four percent of their plays. Yeah. So what what are we talking about here? Yeah,
0: I agree. I think the the lazy fields takes. I know they're going to continue, especially as Ohio State is in the playoff. If Ohio State goes on to win a national championship, that is going to be so easy. Do not fall into that trap. If I caution you to do one thing, whether whether you're a Georgia fan, whether you're whoever you're a fan of, I, I just think that's such a lazy take. And I've watched a ton of Ohio State this yeah. year. Trust me, I have. We just got finished watching a lot of Ohio State storm way back against Wisconsin, a
1: game in which that started off really, really ugly. And if I had. If we, you have a way to end the day and the season. <laughs> there's a live bet with Ohio State when they were down 14. Oh, yeah. In case you took that that action. Yeah. So we disagree on this. Uh, I, I don't want to sit here and debate this too much because
0: this is already going to be out by the time most people are listening to this. But I said that. I came into the weekend thinking that there was something else you could do to get to number one. And that was dominate this game against Georgia. Dominate a game that is, you know, if you look at it on paper, is a tougher game than any that Ohio State has had so far this year. And look the part. And that is exactly what LSU did. And I was ready to say, even if Ohio State dominated tonight, I would still put LSU at number one. And I think the selection committee, based on how they have evaluated that complete team aspect, would seriously consider that. Now... After the way that Ohio State stormed back, you brought up a great point about, well, now they can just spin it as all of these unanswered points. They really showed that they—, they Joe Cladd actually said it. They, I, they showed a graphic tonight that was just the most ridiculous thing ever about uh, on Fox, by the way. It, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't root for LSU or Ohio State. Like, either way, it doesn't matter to me. But they showed this graphic that was, like, the most slanted thing ever in terms of their margin of victory against Power 5 opponents— there was, um, which obviously, like Ohio State has the advantage of not providing the context that yeah. actually Bama, like winning at Bama, is more impressive than anything Ohio State did has beating Georgia done. like a drum. More right. impressive than anything Ohio State did, but they didn't include that, of course, and instead they added a, a little note at the bottom: LSU played one FCS team. Okay, so I didn't know if you saw that or not. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. what
1: it actually said was it was it was uh, their margin of victory versus ranked opponents. Okay, yeah, it yeah, yeah. wasn't Power Five. That's my, metric, my metric. So when you look at that, you, so it's Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin twice. Correct. And what bothers me about that is I don't think Wisconsin's a bad football team at all. I think, and I think Paul Chris doesn't get enough love nationally. He's yeah, a great coach and, and all that kind of stuff. I will say that that is the easiest division in college football. it, it, it like uh, the what's a uh, Pac twelve South with Utah and no. USC.
0: No, um, no, not Pac twelve South. Then what am I thinking of?
1: Uh no, coastal. Oh, the ACC coastal, coastal? yeah, yeah, yeah a good yeah. point. Um that's fair. But like this this stuff over here with with like like okay, actually no. I, I feel like you might be wrong on that one because there's at least parity in those school uh, those uh, teams like from the coastal because they're all bad. They've Wisconsin, always been bad.
0: Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota are all in the top 25, whereas the coastal doesn't even have a top right, 25 team like right now. But
1: like the last 20 years Wisconsin yeah, the, if the you only look, one that's been good. If you look at Yeah, so but what I'm saying is you got you got Wisconsin early when they were undefeated, right? Or they they lost one to Illinois. They lost it at Illinois by one point. Yep. They were still ranked, and you got them all gussied up and and told them they were pretty. And then you let Ohio State dominate them thirty eight seven after Illinois had already beat them. They go throughout the season. They kind of like fly under the radar, and they they're, they're ten and two. And they give them the the, uh, the what we call it, the Big Ten championship game. You get them all dolled up again and tell tell the world look how pretty look how pretty she is. No. They're not the eighth best team in the country. They're flat out not the eighth best team in the country. They had the eighth best resume in the country, not sure. The best sure, team. absolutely. Yeah. They they do have a great resume. They beat three top twenty-five teams. Whatever. They're not the eighth best team in the country. I would they, I would love to see Wisconsin play games in the SEC with with their style of offense and that like soft soft ass like noodle arm quarterback throwing like passes to. I, I like I was like four of nine in the first half, and they were still up fourteen nothing. Like Taylor. uh, Jonathan Taylor's fantastic. I, you saw what he did against defense tonight. And hey, 160 yards rushing. Sure, didn't know that. <laughs> I, wish I bring it up. So no, I mean, I just regardless, I think that it's, it's so frustrating to sit here and watch, like, like, and, and we done. I brought this up the other day about how we've overcompensated trying to like not offend or, or like not walk on, or not compliment the SEC. I feel like we've overcompensated with like, well, oh, the media is like all oh, just. All SEC ESPN owns SEC like that's what they're just building them up nonstop and the blah blah. Fox is just it's gotten worse every single week of the season, propping up the Big Ten and they've had a good year. There's no need to dress it up for more than what it is though. Yeah.
0: So people, like I said, people are already going to know this, but Ohio State, in my opinion, too. If I if I was sitting here picking today, if I'm even if I'm predicting. I think Ohio State would be a two, and I think LSU would be a one. Which do would really close to be. Ha-ha! That was really uncalled for. I really know that John Taylor really uncalled that. for. Yeah, he had a really really good first half. Did not do Seems that. Came sport. out of my mouth. That bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that if we're looking, so I don't want to break down potential matchups as no. much, just because we're, we'll have plenty of time to do that. But Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma winning essentially to get in because. Utah puked on its shoes, and the Pac-12 did the most Pac-12 thing ever, which was watch its playoff hopes die on a Friday night in which nobody cared.
1: Yes, you're right. Utah went for a fourth and two with 11 minutes and 50 seconds left in the first quarter. That's a desperate move from a desperate conference. I don't... Oh, yeah, watch this. (laughs) Goodness gracious! It was you know that was like it was like uh, the Michael Scott thing where he's like, all right, get you on the flip, and he and like throws the ball over his head, and it was it, oh man, like that that, that was bad. And I, I, part of me wanted Utah to win because I had bet on them for one, and then two because we hate Oregon in this house. No offense to anybody that's an Oregon fan, but uh, you know, fiance is a beeve. So I, I and I had him in the, in the playoff too, but I just man. I, I, I can't believe that we spent so much time talking about how great that defense was. Greg McElroy, I, oh yeah, I, I said they were a good team, but looks like I was right about Oregon all along. There you go, Oregon, I, Oregon I, top I, five team. What do you think? It just it was it was <laughs> that was shocking to me. I do I love that we have four like giant name brands for the playoffs. Thanks, Feinbaum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's he called it.
0: No, I actually think Feinbaum missed missed the point on that though. Because, and we didn't really talk about this last week, and I'm not going to like sit here and rip Feinbaum for it. I think the the point that I disagreed with was more so that he kind of overlooked the fact that there is the Bama fatigue. Ooh. And now there are people who, and there's Clemson fatigue as well. People want to see yeah. something new in the national championship. There is finally not going to be a Bama-Clemson national championship. I realize there wasn't one, one in 2017. Just Jalen Hurts. Just Jalen Hurts. If Jalen gets, we still got in, bro. I'm kidding. They, they, they're gonna get that number four seed. The number four seed we know has had more success than the one seed in the playoff.
1: I I don't know. I will say the thing about fine Two and in bringing up Utah is like nobody nobody in like the country wants to see Utah in the playoff. We we I live in Atlanta. I'm an SEC football fan. i I've, I've we work for an SEC company and do an SEC podcast. I follow all college football and I want to know I want to know more than anything about what I'm talking about and try my best to do so. Utah's a good team. You know, people in the country don't want to see Utah in, not because it's Utah. Like they, they, want to see something different, but they don't want to see something different. Like, don't show me just something with different colors that looks the same. Like, yeah, if you don't like, fair. if twenty seventeen Bama like sneaks in and it's just like, you know, kind of like less than stellar offense, but they play great defense. People don't want to see that with a different color and a Pac twelve logo on the jersey. They want to see Boise State. They want to see. Bright lights, like flashy colors, yeah, and, and, and something like you know, it's a, a different offense and like something that Statue will of Liberty, yeah, and and like our spread offense, like anything that will like challenge or it's it's just different and unique. Isn't it's that so why different. we're?
0: Isn't that why we're so intrigued by LSU, though? Yeah. I mean, is, isn't that why we are at this point right now where I don't I don't care if who their matchup is this just has felt more and more like LSU's year and today was just a perfect example of that and I know you've you know there are a lot of people who are going to say Clemson is the team that nobody wants to face I get all of that I I really really do but looking at this body of work I think it's the most impressive playoff resume we've had to date if you Uh look at the teams that they have beat the fact that they beat everybody that's worth a crap in the SEC they did yeah they did that includes A&M I mean, they yep. beat Bama, they beat Georgia, they beat Florida, they beat Auburn. They're they undefeated now, they beat everybody, we got it. I know, but like that doesn't always happen in the Power Five. Yeah, that doesn't I, I always agree. Happen. And for, for LSU right now to still be at this position of 13-0 and and feeling like we've got the world at our fingertips right now, is that a, can that come back to bite them potentially? Is there any way in which your you're LSU, or you know what, you just trust that, you have a quarterback that has looked... Darn near perfect this year.
1: Who's going to win the Heisman Trophy on Saturday? I I haven't seen a team rally around like a player or a coach or a dog or anything quite like this team has. It really has been. It's been special to watch. It really, it, it like it's not easy to go undefeated in the SEC. It's not. It's like Hunter Johnson tweeted this out tonight. He said Coach O now has the same amount of undefeated regular seasons as Nick Saban. Gosh, that's amazing. Think about that nine and two against top ten teams. Nine and two against top ten teams, and and you know what? Like, uh, Will, our producer, Will, who is just giddy as can be, and, and brought up a good point earlier. And and one thing I think people still hang on to is he's, he's making a joke about like the response to like the national media because nobody wants to give each other credit, even for getting Brady or or like you know for putting all these pieces in place. He said, "Well, it couldn't be the place. That guy can't spell RPO. The players, yeah, players blame them." And he made a comment about how people. Somebody called him like a shrimp boat captain. That's just like, lucked into the situation. Coach o goodness, is responsible at some like like no matter how much credit you want to give him, you have to acknowledge and admit like, yeah, he is the reason this is happening this season. He went and got Joe Burrow. He went and got Joe Brady. And and I think that it like now the defense is playing well. Yeah, you you wonder like who's gonna get in their way that they're not gonna have this giant chip on their shoulder no matter what. And just run right through them. Because what we've seen over the past month, in November especially, is the Auburn game was kind of tight. And it was you know a hard-fought battle, 23-20, all that kind of stuff. Since they got to November and they, they played Bama, it has been basically like lining up across from somebody. It's like, I'm about to hit you in the, in the mouth. And then they just do it. Cool moment, by the way, uh, at, after the
0: game. Joe Burrow gives the game ball to Coach O. Really, really cool if you're an LSU fan like to just appreciate the fact that a head coach and the quarterback are just so perfectly in
1: sync, I think obviously. Was, honestly, the coolest part of that was like when Kocho then inexplicably just bit into the football mm-hmm. and like Tasmanian devil and then just deflated it in front of everybody. Yeah.
0: That was cool. <laughs> we uh, we also saw a report that came out about Joe Brady. Uh, well not really a report so much as a direct quote saying that he was asked, you know, if he thinks his future is at LSU and he says absolutely and that's just a little reminder of what Coach O has done with these dynamics at play here to make sure that his offensive coordinator, this guy that everybody's talking about, and look for the next three weeks, everybody and their mother is going to want to find out the details about this guy, this guy who's revolutionizing the LSU Sue, offense. Man. Okay, probably not Patty Sue, but maybe, you never know. And. He is essentially guaranteed, and told his guy, "Look, you're, you're taking care. of it. We're gonna have this set up for you." And I don't know if it's officially in writing yet, or what the deal is that's that's in place. But Coach O has taken any sort of doubt in his mind out already, and yeah. taken care of that. That's that's like that's head coach stuff. That's figuring out what your dynamics are at play. He's got the Steve Ensminger element to to be able to balance as well. The and least he said thing you well. Want, the least thing you want, you know this all too well. Yeah discontent among your coaching staff going into this next month. Argue going about into play, the club. Argument responsibilities. Last he thing you Could not have...
1: Like, like that whole thing last year with, with Enos and then yep. with, with... What's his name? And, and Locksley. And Locksley. And you're like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, you know, it, he's, he's handled it incredibly well. Incredibly well. And I will say, Joe Burrow... Those don't come around every every No, and, year. and it's, but it's so. it's still at the
0: same time. And we we've seen this this weekend. We've talked about you know our, our LSU friends about this this appreciation that they have of Joe Burrow and him just being a legend and yeah. how they are savoring every bit of this. And I, know yeah. that, I know that I know that I made the comment before about how LSU fans we were expecting to see according to our friends at Vivid Seats, it was a 69% Georgia representation. Very nice. And a 31% LSU. I think it was more slanted in favor of Georgia, to be honest, based on what we saw early on. And quickly that changed when Georgia fans, you know, obviously they weren't going to want to stick around for all of that. That light
1: show at the end was something else,
0: huh? (laughs) But the LSU fans who did travel and who are really soaking all of this in, I tip my cap to you because... You need to appreciate these seasons and not nitpick necessarily. That's our job. We're going to do that. Yeah, if They allow six hundred yards of yeah. rushing. We're going to we're going to nitpick that. But you, as fans, y'all are doing a great job enjoying every second of this.
1: I tell you what, and I I need to do a better job of like not this. My favorite team is is Bandland. We talk about it like so. Most of my experiences and, and stuff like that they are in comparison to that, and I I I, I'm, I apologize for it, but it's just that's how. Like my reference point for the most part but last year what an incredible season that was was for BAM until the last game of the season I, I felt like I got to the end and it was like just like alright yeah yeah hurry up, hurry up let's get the trophy let's get the trophy let's do it all over again I want to post up on social media about it like it really is like we talked about those guys today that they came to the live show, live event on Friday we ran into them at, at Fanfare and talked about how like a father and son. He was like, you know, like tickets were expensive, and you know, it's it's a trek to get out of here. But we're like, let's do it. Like like this has been a special year. Let's go experience. Let's go make a memory. And it's, it really has been. It's been fun to watch. Now, I do want to say one thing. I'm talking about the playoff, right? Let's do it. Um, Joel Klatt has done an incredible job of, I think, honestly, I think trying to give as much of a balanced, like, opinion about the entire country. I think he's definitely skewed to the Big Ten. Yeah, I think he's, and he sees the most of the Big Ten. He does the,
0: the, right. the big noon game on Fox every, right. every Saturday. Right, and he's great
1: at what he does. And, and I think I think his thing is he's sick of the SEC, but he does it instead of like bitching about it, like, you know, our boy's DK, I love DK. But he does it in a way of like, okay, here are some stats that I've looked up. And, you know, I've done that before and it hasn't gone over well, so I get where he's coming from. But um, one thing he said tonight, and it's something I think a lot of us said, I'm, I'm guilty of it because I am tired of Clemson, but one of the comments that was made tonight about, he goes, why this number one seat is so important. And he was going on and on about like, the resume, the resume, <laughs> like, what the reason this is so important is because you don't want to play Clemson. And it's weird that that is, that's being said out loud, because that's what it is. You, I brought up a couple, a, a couple weeks ago, I was like, you, I don't I agree. play Clemson. So, but it's weird that we are talking about how it would be unfair if you had to play Clemson first. That's why you're trying to boast, like, you boast about your resume, and, and like that's why you want to be number one so you don't have to play Clemson. But we're not talking at all about Clemson possibly being number one. And they don't have the resume for it. They don't. But it's, not. they are twenty eight and zero in their last twenty eight games. They've won seven games in a row by thirty five or more points. And I, I bash them all the time. They haven't played anyone. Davo is a is a.
0: It's the great unknown. It's the great unknown right now because we would actually feel. We, I think part of that is is the mystery of not knowing. Oh my gosh! Like, what what if it's just like last year all over again? Or twenty fourteen Florida State. Yeah, that's interesting too. I think those are, and I made the twenty fourteen Florida State comparison earlier in the year, and I think that's the spectrum. That's yeah. the spectrum right now for Clemson. We won't know if Clemson is this all time great team until the playoff plays out. Obviously, right. as weird as that is, because you know that's how it worked out last year. But at the same time, you know if if Clemson does. Have a, a you know stub their toe in, in their semifinal matchup, then yeah, I mean we're gonna be like, wow, guess Clemson didn't play anyone. Like yeah. th- that's that's the sad nature of having a schedule that doesn't challenge you. Whereas LSU, yeah. LSU, if LSU lays a dud in a semifinal, which i I would not pick them to lay should, a dud, yeah. but if that happened, we would still look back on this LSU season and be like, dang, unbelievably impressive,
1: yeah. unbelievably impressive. It, 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 it's weird too to look at that because. <sighs> Like I almost wonder—I don't want to say it's a conspiracy theory—but I wonder if one of the reasons Dabo is so outspoken about this, and I know he's only doing it to, to motivate his team. I get that, but I wonder if part of it is—and they're fans too. This whole jaded mindset of like, no one, no one thinks you can do it. Like, yeah, they do. Yeah. Like everyone, it's like if the Rock was like doing bench press and it's Like, no one thinks you can bench one thirty-five, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, you can, can definitely do armband. it. Uh, you have a tribal man tattoo. You can do anything. <laughs> so he like i wonder if part of this is because they are so bored it has it has to be boring for their fans this season like <laughs> they're they they have not played anyone even the one good game they played with uh with a m it, it could have been more boring or unlike twenty four to ten yeah, like
0: a m scored that touchdown with, like two minutes left covered that spread
1: but yeah it just i i agree i, I wonder if that's it's some just acting out like they have nothing else going on. They're just bored. They just want to start drama. Yeah, and they're gonna get some drama. This field is is,
0: is really good though. I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. What we're currently watching right now press conference Jalen Hurts, who is just about to play in his fourth playoff game. That's incredible, man. Or fourth playoff. Fourth, it's fourth straight year. Fourth straight year. year in the playoff. Yeah, unbelievable accomplishment for Jalen Hurts. We're gonna have a lot more playoff talk. We're gonna have, but next time that we talk to everybody, we're gonna have all the bowl matchups in place. They're currently showing a flashback. I'm so of happy right now. 2016 SEC Championship. Marlar is useless showing, for these next 30 seconds because no, those what? guys are locked in on They're
1: this. showing they're showing Jalen Hurts and his four years in the playoff, and it's about to get ugly because they're going to show the 2016. You know, I'm to have to watch sports. Okay, yeah, we don't have to watch um, Spoon. But yeah, we're going to
0: okay. have a lot of discussion on, on bowl games, all of those things. I promise we're going to get to that. We're going to have great we already have great coverage. By the time you're listening to this, you will have probably seen a million stories on SDS about bowl coverage, all those different things. We're gonna have our good buddy Gary Stokin on this week to talk about bowl games yeah. as well. So we're gonna talk about all that. But Lane Kiffin, <laughs> we should have cracked one on <laughs> our Lane because Lane we? Lane is coming back to the SEC. The Lane train is rolling back.
1: I it didn't even hit me until tonight. Yep, like thirty minutes ago. That that means. This year, at, or next year at Media Days, Lane Kiffin is going to take the stage and have a microphone in front of his mouth.
0: Lane and Sabin on the same day, please. Please. Oh
1: my god.
0: We, we get annual matchups of Saban and Kiffin. And the, the trolling that's going to happen. I, I want his Twitter game to remain the same. I want all of that stuff to... I hope that Ole Miss... Keith Carter's a first-time AD. I hope he just says, you know what, Lane... We're gonna give you the keys to the Cadillac. We're gonna let you do what you wanna do.
1: We're gonna let Lane be Lane. He so he's like I don't know how how much longer is gonna be coaching at Bama, so I don't know how many years are gonna they're gonna go up against each other. I can't wait for that awkward moment when they have to meet at at you know the fifty yard line before games and like they <laughs> both coaches exchange pleasantries before the game, like, hey Lane. That's gonna be awkward as, as hell. It's gonna be very uncomfortable. But but I will say I will say that uh I feel like I don't think Lane Kiffin is necessarily gonna beat Saban in year one or year two or whatever, but I will. I will say I think what he will do is like, like what your friends do, just embarrass you. You know what I yep. mean? Like, like he'll pants him or he'll he'll yeah. like tabletop him, like like trip over <laughs> tie, like untie his shoelaces. Like that that's what's gonna happen. I. Oh, this will be fun, man.
0: I just had to explain to to my wife what tabletopping was. That was really you sad. got that reference? Oh yeah, I got okay, the good. reference.
1: We used to tabletop people all the time. It was very mean. I got in trouble for it for, in baseball all the time, but I was the one being tabletopped. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laying on the ground, Marlar? I was like, get the thinking serious right now? It's tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. Look that I, up that's if you be don't know. Fun that though with he's... Lane coming in with, and, and so and the biggest things out of all this is... Because I think people kind of like brush it aside is they're excited for the personality and no one's even talking about the potential of what he could bring to the table as a as a head coach. You Which, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean uh, and,
0: and that's that's the interesting thing that all Miss fans are wondering about. It's trying to figure out you as of six days ago before this before this report came out, you were thinking we got a mess on our hands. John Rice, Plumley, Jerry Neely, are these yeah. guys going to leave? What about Rich Rod? What about Mike McIntyre? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, Lane is coming to Ole Miss. This changes things. And apparently, all signs report to. And like I said, they, this could already be out by the time people are listening to this, but we're expecting Lane to have some big-name hires for his coaching staff, which is very, very significant. And yeah. if, that, if that happens, all of a sudden, you're, you're like, Wow. Okay. This is kind of a, this is kind of a game changer. We're in a much different position than we thought we were, you know, a few days ago. And that's the thing that Ole Miss fans were hoping for when they were saying, you know, we don't, we're, we're ready to be done with Matt Luke. He he did what he needed to do. We're always grateful that you know he he meant a lot for the university. Whatever. Right. But we want to see this job hit the open market. We want to see the type of a attra- uh, the type of candidate that we could attract. How how they would be able yeah. to 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 value this job and Lane. You know, he had the Arkansas thing sitting there. He had the Ole Miss thing sitting there. And he said to himself, I'm going to go live in Oxford. The video of he's his kid. He's perfect for Ole Miss. He's perfect for Ole Miss. The video of his kid finding out that they're going to Oxford was incredible. Yeah. And f- seeing Lane in this offense, in this division,
1: ah, this is what we've been waiting for. It's because here. It's is co No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Uh, so, no, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be really interesting because – now we we find out how much he's grown up. Exactly. That's. And I that's... mean, I, I it. I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be fun either way. I'm glad that you go to Arkansas because I think all of us just kind of wanted to back in the SEC. So it was like, oh, that'd be, like that was the first opportunity that opened versus the old Miss thing. I, I, I think Ole Miss is a much, much better opportunity because I can't imagine how bored Lane Kiffin would get in Arkansas. Ten years after he left
0: the SEC in just a, one of the more bizarre fashions you'll ever see, leaving Tennessee to go for his dream job at USC, he is calling recruits back. inside of the coaches'
1: offices with Tennessee issues, like, like university issued cell phones, all that stuff, telling them like, "By the way, everything I told you, you come to USC, come to USC, come be a Trojan." Like, we're not. We're so you bring up the point about Lane. We're gonna see
0: how much he's changed. We don't know that just based on how life was going in Boca, because those puff pieces have been written a billion times over. I know I make fun of like the Chris Lowe, Nick Saban. I'm not going anywhere. Sort of stories. Yeah. Chris Lowe has done those stories as well, and and they're good. And don't get me wrong. And I think that people can change. And I'm not saying that Lane is who he was People can't he was change. I'm not saying who he's the exact same person that he was when he was in his early 30s, and he had a much different mindset in terms of career, all that stuff. But think about somebody who's 44 years old, who's had an NFL head coaching job, a big-time Pac-12 job. He had two SEC jobs as well. He's had coordinator jobs. He's had a Group of Five job. Like all the different oh. things that he's done, and what he's looking for at this point in his life right now. <laughs> if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're just hoping like this guy's tired. Of moving and
1: climbing up this ladder, and I'm not worrying about climbing back answers.
0: down it, yeah, and then climbing back down it to climb
1: back up it. Well, I mean, yeah, Ear Buffett. I mean, Lane Kevin's seen some <laughs> man. Like you he know, is like <laughs> flat out like it is. It, like he's not, he's not the same looking Lane. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm not body shaming Lane. He looks
0: like Ben Roethlisberger
1: now. I, say that? I wouldn't say that. Yes, he does. I would, but like he he looks different than he did. He doesn't have that same. Same boyish wonder behind his eyes. Yeah, like, but he's he's still the same, and he's. I think he's gotten he's gotten like wiser, like especially with trolling. Like he's just gotten better about about that. He's an expert. It'll be fun. You said forty four, and it's weird because he's been in the game for so long. He's only forty four. Forty four. When did he coach the, the the Raiders? Raiders was was before all that stuff. I thought he was like I thought he was thirty nine when he, comes he got to the Raiders. Raiders. He got
0: the raid? No, 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 way, way younger. I thought it was only five years ago. He was at Bama five years ago. I, I didn't think he was only forty four. Oh no, he got the Raiders shop way, way, way young. And you know his career is is so fascinating. It's it's so interesting to dissect. But timing in life is everything. And if this is the right time in Lane's life. To be able to actually be mature enough to handle a power job, to do the things that you need to do to build a program and not just go there and just keep rising and do whatever you can to protect your own personal brand. You know, you're not going to go into, and it's interesting because we, we wonder how he's going to handle the dynamic of being in the same division as Saban. Of course, what got him into trouble at Tennessee, at least, you know, made some people kind of raise their eyebrows was calling out Urban Meyer at Florida.
1: Now that is something I've because he does move the the target a, a, a lot on some of the, the the trash talk that he that he spews on Twitter like like he'll like loosely take credit for stuff that not has nothing to do with him. That's true. That's true. And but I wonder what he'll do like that like like I wonder if he's gonna try to blur those lines like about like almost beaten uh, beaten Bamuk when he was there. <laughs> You know what oh, I mean? That's like ironic. I like never about he was that. the he was the OC at Baylor for yeah. those times, and I'm sure he'll say something about it. Yeah, it's like Lane, that's you did that, bro. Yeah,
0: it's a great time though. It's a great time. Really? We're not going to get Mike Leach to the SEC, nah, but we yeah. will. We will get Lane Kiffin to the
1: SEC. It just feels just feels right. We'll if he if that. he needs right. an offensive coordinator, and I'll tell you right now, you know who'd be a good offensive coordinator? Who's that? Tell you want Matt Luke? Do you want Matt Luke? Hey, coach, almost football? Not anymore. Not anymore. Do you want Matt Luke? Luke. Assistant manager Gap Outlet Store. He's a belt guy. He's a big and tall. Oh yeah, and that's it's hard. That's
0: probably true. And it's hard <laughs> very very much. So we're gonna have a lot of interesting coaching carousel news. We already found out that Mike Norvell is gonna be taking the Florida State job. How about those Memphis Tigers? Gonna be representing. That was gonna be representing the the group of five in a New Year's Six Bowl. You're Just right. like a certain Connor S-
1: was. S- Connor was literally. <laughs> I, I I love you to death, bro. But like today was. One long first take. It was like, there was not like, hey, that was a good play. It was like, you know what? You have to ask yourself, does that play signify? I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, Connor Connor, is also in the middle of the game, in the middle of the LSU game, LSU-Georgia game. What What did you pat yourself on the back for? The Memphis thing. No, it was something else. It was something else too. You're like, oh, because I oh, you go. Like, this game is playing out just like I in said. In the first
0: half, it did because I thought Georgia was gonna. I thought Georgia was gonna hang around. I thought they were gonna hang around much longer than they. Yeah. Ultimately did, but yeah, I, I patted myself on the back a couple times today. What
1: I we were in the suite. It was good you know, man. There was, there was lobster and there was you know, lobster. lobster. <laughs> it was like a fancy lobster too. I, like I just. I, I'm so blown away by that. I kept I kept looking around like there would be one new thing every time I look, would look around. I was like, they have this as well. It was a like kidney candy store, but with lobster. They have Andrew Jones over here. Andrew Jones. I talked was to Andrew Jones about his Hall of Fame candidacy for three minutes. You brought up stuff with the Cubs for like several times this weekend, which you shouldn't have. You I know don't you really know, have stuff you know, with the Cubs. You know how I, I introduced know. myself to Andrew Jones? No, not with him. I'm saying. Oh Joe. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Candler introduced me to him. And he was like, This is Chris Marlowe. He said it on himself. And he was saying it like in like the nicest way, where he's like trying to build me up. And it was like, a, It was so nice of Candler. It was I, I, Candler is the man. But I, I was like, Don't, please don't say anything to Andrew Jones because he's like, he's had such a better life than me. Like, he's doing you know, like <laughs> so more, impre- so, many, so many more impressive things. And so he, he like kept going on. He said, like, He runs this podcast. He does this, and that. It was like super complimentary. And I finally looked at him and I go, all that aside, I don't want to sit here and try to brag too much about myself, but I was also a Division Two college baseball player. <laughs> and he started cracking up. It was, it was fun. He was, he was a nice guy, man.
0: Yeah, Andrew Jones was uh, was a very popular topic of conversation. That's sweet. We can definitely
1: say that. Um, We've got to figure out this bet. Oh, yeah. So this guy, I, had somebody, I had two people text me that you have to shave your beard. What? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened, bro. Okay. If that's
0: actually what happens, because we're, you, we you have to go back and score 30 to it. points. My brain is mush right now. It's now we're we're approaching the one o'clock a.m. hour, going into going into Sunday. If I have to shave my beard, all right, we'll find out. We'll address that. We'll address it at the top of the pod mm. on on Wednesday uh, when we come back. But there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna get to. Um, in the middle of the week, in the next few weeks, we're still going to be doing two podcasts a week. That is the current plan, I believe. We're still going to be doing a Sunday podcast, yeah. I believe. Um, I know that we're not going to yeah, necessarily. We're, have games we're, I'm not emotionally
1: yet. ready to go back down to one podcast a week. No, since no, we can stop at that.
0: We're we're not at that point of our lives yet. Yeah, there's going to be tons and tons of stuff to get to. We're gonna we're gonna talk some Heisman stuff as well. Not there's no intrigue. Joe Burrow's winning the Heisman Trophy.
1: That does like it doesn't suck that he should win it, but I'm, I'm glad he's going to win it. But when's the, When's the last time it was this much of a runaway? When's the last time it was suspenseful? Let's think about that. When's the like, last time we went into the Heisman Trophy ceremony? Oh, well, I mean, like, well, because we have, we have so many people that, like, they can count the ballots now. We have people that, like, we do, uh, what is it, Chris Hudson? Chris Houston, like, that? it's it's it his, like, a Twitter handle that he, this is all he does. He's like Joe Lenardi, but it's just, just Heisman stuff since the beginning of the year. And, and he, like, goes back and looks at, like, statistics and analytics of, like, how people voted in the past and region regional stuff it always breaks like it's like you how the first pick in the NFL draft goes it's like you you talk about it for months and months and all of a sudden like i don't know 4 hours before the event like by the way we can confirm yeah that the Cleveland Browns are going to take so i mean, he's going to get it <sighs> are you excited to watch it i don't no oh yeah
0: no i'm excited i you know what? I, I take that back. It's not that I'm not excited to watch it. The suspense element is is all but gone, which is why I think it's ridiculous that they'll they'll only invite three guys sometimes instead of. They should invite five guys every year, no matter what. Because yeah, two I kids, agree. Two kids should be able to get that Heisman experience. It doesn't matter how. It's not suspenseful voting for. Everybody knows who's going to win anyway. So that's that's the whole reason that they only invite three as opposed to four sometimes. Because if the fourth person is way far off, then why are they there? It's like, it doesn't matter. I don't really care about that. But I am excited to see LSU is going to have. LSU's never had an offensive player even get invited to New York. And that's going to happen with this which, yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow's going to be the talk of the town and all this, you know, everybody's, you know, all the, the great... They did another another piece on him on College Game Day where it essentially they, it, it felt like they just copied and pasted. Like they just took the old footage that they did on on him from like two months ago yeah. and they just plugged it in for today. I don't know if they actually did that or
1: if they went back and did a new
0: story with Tom Rinaldi or whatever, but...
1: Oh, yeah, there was some pushback on that finally, which I thought was kind of funny because it was like... This is an incredible story and I love Joe Burrow and he, what he's, he's transcended just so many fan bases in terms of like, it, we, I, I said, I think last week I was like, I don't know if you're allowed to switch your jersey name. I, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Not a lot of people can do that. if Like if Tua just came out with like just Tua on it or if like Fromm came out with like number 69.
0: Jake Fromm, State Fromm.
1: Yeah. If, if he, if literally if he came out like that, it'd be funny, but I don't know how legal it is. They just they get away. I don't say get away. It's a bad thing, but like they're kind of playing by their own rules because they're so likable. There's so, it, it's it's been such an incredible story that is it's not a good good guy bad guy. It's like it's a story of redemption from from this quarterback and from the head coach, and and they are like you said America's team. But the Joe Burrow thing about like this against all odds, you know, like dude Ohio State. He's did a four he star recruit. He's a four star recruit. I'm pretty sure every single one of his like immediate family members. And whatever cousins twice removed all played college sports. Because every time they tell a story, it's like his grandma put up 57 points a game in Nebraska <laughs> College. Like, yeah. it's crazy. And so, I mean, he, he's had an incredible season of not taking anything away from him. But it is, it is kind of funny that we've kind of tried to make this a storyline like, and, and be so consistent with it for like the last two months. Yeah, if you're already sick of the Joe Burrow talk, I suggest just not listening to anything college football just, just that narrative. Like, I just want uh, Joe Burrow is, is awesome. Like, and so many levels. The it's story great. we heard last night where he's—I didn't know this was real—and and you know, apparently it's from the Athletic. And this, is, like, we heard it from from LSU fans, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. it seemed to have some like validity to it. The story about Joe Burrow coming in last year, of trench room from Ohio State, and and you know, kind of being those awkward first couple weeks where people trying kind to of fill each other out. And he flat out said in the locker room, he's like, is anybody have a problem with me? You can come say it to my face. Like, like let's let's get it out right now. And I was like, oh, this guy's not... He is an alpha male. Yeah. And that I think we can all agree on. It just looks
0: like another, another day in the park for him. Yeah. Just another day.
1: I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to romanticize the this, this season too much and get like the prisoner moment thing, but I don't remember a season where somebody that has played in this kind of league, this kind of schedule, against this kind of talent that never fell off at any point. His worst face. game is like 71% completion percentage. Yeah,
0: and he he had games where he'd throw for 400 yards and be like, oh yeah, that was my worst game that I had all year.
1: Of course. I I mean, when's the last time you've seen something like this?
0: I I don't know. It, it's going to go down as one of the, the special seasons that we've seen. In the SEC, in college football, I mean, it's going to be 2010. It has potential to be 2010 Cam Newton as of right now. Okay, I, mean, I like that's, that's comparison. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the crazy thing, you know, if we're talking about the the infa- – he's, he's got two of the three, or he's going to have two of the three in terms of the the most impressive college football hat trick you can get, which is SEC Championship, Heisman Trophy, National Championship. Yeah. And right now Joe Burrow is doing everything and more, and Georgia fans, they saw it up close and personal. All right. That's all for us from tonight. We have done three, four, three of, <laughs> I can't even speak anymore. We have done three podcasts in four days. That's a new personal high for us, I think. I Besides really... SEC media days. Besides SEC media days, so that doesn't really count. Yeah. Those are a little bit different. But thank you to everybody who came out to the live show. Thank you to everybody who listened to the live show. Our Once again, our great panel that we had. So much fun. Thank you to our, our Georgia friends who hosted us in their sweet Candler Cook. Yeah, all man, of us friends. Really Perry, that Perry's gift that he does, the, the, the let's eat, he is, uh, he is all about that He's for sure. Character. We had a lot of fun hanging out with them and just ha- hanging out with everybody. It's been an awesome weekend. I've got to get some sleep. I've got to catch a flight back to Orlando. We've got to talk some playoff. We're going to have I stuff all day Sunday as well. Poor Kesa. Um, we're going to do a Facebook Live. No more Tuesday playoff
1: rankings. So what's the new Facebook Live plan? All right, it's one o five in the morning. All right, let's All that. right. All right, I don't fun. know, guys. I'll, I'll let you know on social media. Follow us on all <laughs> forms of social media at the
0: SDS pod, at burnfunquist Funquist, at CG Guerra. Make sure you follow us on Instagram as well, at
1: Stargate On South.
0: Gonna have a ton of content coming out. Join
1: the Facebook group with 3,500 members. We're gonna have a lot of memes tomorrow, guys. Yes. A lot of memes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Bull announcements, can't wait for it. All right, Matt Luke, Blaine Kiffin whoever you are. What do, what do we need to remember? Honestly, I don't know. I ain't anymore. It might be too much. Talk to you guys later this week.